There is an unbelievable tragedy going on right now in Afghanistan, a human tragedy that was also an entirely preventable human tragedy. And it's really a disgrace for the United States, for U.S. foreign policy, and it's all being visited upon the ordinary citizens of Afghanistan. You know, it's really quite revealing watching, you know, the Taliban extremely motivated taking over and the president having gotten it so completely and totally wrong, not listening to his own military experts, not holding back or, you know, revising and wa- as, as they watched what happened. It is entirely at the president's doorstep that he simply announced, we're going to leave, and then they left, and they left the consequences for the people they left behind. The reason why there are young men literally who held on to a jet aircraft as it was taking off, attempting to ride on the wings, because there were 800 people inside, packed in because they were in fear for their lives. They knew the consequences if they stayed under the Taliban. The Taliban says, oh yeah, we're going to be totally humanitarian. We're going to treat people decently. There's going to be amnesty, etc., etc." You know, in the middle of the fighting, combat troops came out. Afghani combat troops surrendered to the Taliban. The Taliban executed them as they were surrendering. 22 people surrendered, 22 people murdered. This is the Taliban. You have 60, apparently, women serving in the Afghan government. You have women who owned businesses. You have girls who were able to go to school and get an education. All of that is now going to abruptly come to an end. Women are going to be married off to Taliban fighters, like it or not. It's just horrific what is now going to happen. You know, people talk about democracy. It's not really about democracy. It's about how any minority or any person is treated by the government of that country. It doesn't matter if the majority democratically elects, well, to use one example, uh, Adolf Hitler, the Nazis took over the Reichstag by democratic vote. Uh, And then Hitler consolidated his power to be an absolute leader. But you see, democracy can go terribly wrong. The key here is how the minority is treated or how everybody else is treated by the government. And the Taliban has been quite explicit that anybody who doesn't agree with them is basically in danger of their lives. The country is 99.97% Muslim, but that is to say 89.7% is Sunni and 10% is Shia. So you have a distinct religious minority up against an extremely intolerant Taliban. I don't see how that's going to play out in a good way for the Shia minority. I mean, or in fact, for anybody else. 
I think about anybody who worked with the Americans, and it's known that they worked with the Americans, translators or whatever, in whatever capacity. How is the Taliban going to treat these people? And for all the talk about how they're going to do X, Y, and Z, the president said explicitly he doesn't trust the Taliban. And now the safe passage of people needing to escape the country, they are entrusting to the Taliban. Now, how does that work? They're entrusting an important humanitarian concern and, frankly, a U.S. responsibility. They've handed over to someone who the U.S. has already said they do not trust. If the president does not trust the Taliban, that means that he has abdicated his responsibility for the safety of these people who worked with Americans. So this is a humanitarian crisis and disaster, and it's almost embarrassing to talk about anything else. But at the same time, we have to talk about what this means for the rest of the world also, because as a result of this, the United States, I mean, the United States has now projected huge weakness. And this is in direct contravention. You know, people are saying, oh, but the drawdown was started under Donald Trump. Well, yeah, that's true. Donald Trump made a peace agreement with the Taliban, which a lot of people found very problematic, but that was his decision. I'm not going to opine one way or the other on whether it was a good decision or not. What we do know is that he said there will be consequences if you don't follow the agreement, and they didn't follow the agreement, and there were consequences, and it did happen. And once that did happen in February of 2020, that was the last time there was an American combat fatality in Afghanistan. In other words, staying in Afghanistan kind of was like being part of the U.S. forces in Germany or Japan or South Korea. We have forces stationed in places around the globe. In, in great neighborhoods and not-so-good neighborhoods. As a result of that agreement and the fact that the Taliban actually was keeping to the agreement, it was no longer such a bad neighborhood. There really wasn't a whole lot of justification for pulling the last 2,500 troops out. Those 2,500 troops were making sure peace was kept and the agreement was kept. And instead, by simply abandoning the country, leaving, allowing the Taliban to stream in. All of a sudden, there's no agreement. All of a sudden, there's no control. And in fact, it is so bad that the United States is bringing in more troops, more than the 2,500 they had there, to evacuate the remaining Americans from the embassy. Yeah, he said there's not going to be photos of people being flown out off the embassy. As somebody else pointed out, yep, in this particular case, the helipad is on the front lawn of the embassy, so it's not off the roof of the embassy. Congratulations, Mr. Biden. They didn't fly them out off the roof of the embassy because there is no way to fly out off the roof of that embassy. It has to be done off the front lawn, so that's what they did. But it's literally that bad. It's just as bad as the evacuations of Benghazi and Saigon and the photos. It's just as disastrous. So you've just told, you've just told the world, all the bad actors in the world, that if you wait long enough, 
the Americans will give up, the Americans will leave, and, and you can do what you want. The Taliban waited 20 long years for this to happen. They never gave up, and guess what? Now they're getting rewarded. They're getting the whole country back. The whole point in 2001 of taking over Afghanistan was to free it from the repression of the Taliban. And oh, by the way, the Taliban was coddling up to Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. So since there was that going on, and the Afghanis were being oppressed, the United States went in and liberated. They didn't go in to occupy, to colonialize. They went in to give ordinary Afghanis civil and human rights. And now all that's being denied. Wait long enough and the Americans will surrender the field to the bad actors. Lesson here is that peace is often maintained by overwhelming firepower. I know that's like a joke, peace through, <laughs> through great superior firepower, but it's really true. You sometimes need to have the bigger stick, and that's how you maintain peace against bad actors. I mean, it seems almost prescient now, but I was interviewed a week ago by a group very interested in peace and peacemaking, and they asked about weapons production. And I said, sometimes the good guys need weapons. I mean, obviously, we're praying for a time when, as the prophet Isaiah says, people will beat their swords into plowshares. There will be no need to manufacture weaponry. But in the world in which we currently live, where human rights, actually the situation for human rights has gotten consistently worse year by year since 2006, as far as religious freedom and press freedom and everything else. Things have gotten worse, and things just got dramatically worse in Afghanistan. Sometimes you do need weaponry to keep the peace, and that superior firepower is what keeps the bad actors at bay, the people who will treat people badly. If the only the bad people have the guns, that's a very dangerous world to be in. That's a terrible world to be in. So, in fact, the United States needed to be there, needed to remain there, and needed to show strength. You, the Taliban, cannot threaten us because in so doing, they were saying you cannot threaten ordinary Afghanis trying to be in the business world, trying to just better the country for themselves and to have peaceful and good lives. And that's what has all been ruined now by the lack of action on the part of the United States and the abdic total abdication of its responsibilities. There's another interesting component of this. One of the loudest voices, and here's I'm going to explain why she's in this bind. One of the loudest voices for the idea that the United States... Um, is, is a bad actor when it goes in with military equipment has been Ilan Omar and, in, and of course the rest of the squad also. It's bad when the United States has a police force. It's also bad when the United States has a military. It's bad when the United States uses its military might 
to deny the people, quote-unquote, self-determination. This is why I'm saying it's not really self-determination. The Afghanis, the average Afghani does not want to live under the Taliban. This is a crisis that was created because simply because the, the United States freed Afghanistan from Taliban oppression by going in with that military power which Ilan Omar and AOC and Tlaib demonized. Not only did they demonize the military, but oh my goodness, if you care, and again, this is a country that is 99.97% Muslim. How can anybody claim to value Muslim lives and Muslim people and not speak up about this humanitarian crisis which is affecting Muslims? They don't actually care about the fact that Muslims are now going to live under totalitarian oppression. They do not care about women who will now be stripped of their rights. They will be forced to wear burqas whether they want to or not, face coverings whether they want to or not, denied the opportunity to run businesses or even to be part of the business world. They won't be allowed to go out in public without a chaperone. As far as we, you know, as far as how the Taliban bathed the last time, they won't be allowed to go to school. So how can these people claim to value women's rights and not speak up? Rashida Tlaib, her attitude, what she's saying instead is we need to let in as many Afghan ref- refugees into the country as possible. And, and by the way, I completely agree with that. If they were in danger, the people who were being who are endangered because they worked with the Americans, they should absolutely be allowed to come into the United States. Anybody else who is targeted. But if you say that any Afghani should be let in the country and that's going to be our response, that means we're going to abandon 38 million people to Taliban oppression. It's a country of 38.04 million people as of 2019. So imagine it's gone up slightly. And that's talking about bringing half a million Afghani refugees into this country. That means you're leaving 38 million people behind at the mercy of the Taliban under oppression. And you know what Ilan Omar's response to that is? Let's negotiate. Let's have a discussion with the Taliban. Now, look, this is a woman who wears a hijab because she is an observant Muslim, an observant person of any religion. So I'm obviously including myself here. You don't negotiate your religious principles with outsiders. That's not how it works. If you have your beliefs, you don't let other people tell you what your beliefs are. We recognize it as, you know, it's done to Jews all the time by anti-Semites. They never have a good agenda, etc., etc. This would be viewed the same by the Taliban. If it is the Taliban's posi- position that every woman must cover her face, then every woman must cover her face and Western infidels are not going to tell them otherwise. If it is their position that women cannot own businesses, that women cannot leave the house without a chaperone, that women should be married off to fighters to reward them for their good fighting, that's their position. 
And if that's their religious belief, you're not going to be able to get them to change it for long. And, and she knows this. Ilan Omar absolutely knows this. But you have a situation, you know, she's, it's precisely the opposite, of course, of her attitude towards Israel, where you can't negotiate and you can't talk, you can't have any discussions. Let's have a discussion with totalitarian, barbarian oppressors who are going to make life miserable. So she's only encouraging the tragedy to be worse while portraying herself as an advocate for human rights. Welcome to the Inverted Planet. Inverted Planet is generously sponsored by the Stitzer family in the memory of Carl and Rita Stitzer. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure you've subscribed. This podcast is available on all major platforms and all popular Android and iPhone podcast apps. And be sure to spread the word by giving us a five-star rating and telling your friends about the Inverted Planet podcast. Thanks for listening.